All right. Uh, good morning. My name is Felicia Orth. Uh, I'm currently the president of the congregation. Also, as I say, um, sidekick to the forum chair, who would otherwise be introducing me today, but he's in uh, White Sands with uh, a former member of our congregation, Sherry Hardage. So uh, let me welcome you all, and thank you so much for coming to what you know could potentially be a dry topic, but I hope not, uh, because what we're doing is talking about uh, shaping our future together. So um, the question, obviously, is how will the church accomplish its goals? Its major goal uh, has been accomplished uh, in the last year, which is why we're now uh, able to pivot from the question of how do we assure ourselves a beautiful, highly functional building uh, to now what are we going to do in this building? Uh, planning obviously increases the likelihood of reaching its goals. Nothing of real importance is accomplished without planning. Um, and what's different about strategic planning from regular planning is it requires us to reflect on potential obstacles and our responses to a changing landscape, some of which we do not have control over. Um, the likelihood of achieving our goals obviously improves as a result of focus, but also by virtue of the planning itself. You sometimes hear that um, the process is the product. Uh, much of that statement is true about uh, strategic planning. It allows a lot of disparate voices to come together to articulate a common framework for pursuing its mission and agreeing on priorities. These agreements can then be carried out through the operational plan, the implementation plan, and the budget, staff, the board, council has clear guidance, and the organization can be more nimble, that's, that's a big part of what's happening here, in responding to external challenges. Having said that, obviously I understand how hard it is to step out of your day-to-day -day busyness um, and uh, just take a step back, pausing and reflection other than during, uh, on a Sunday morning, you're not typically invited. Um, uh, during the week, you think about you think about how many other things you could get done in that time, um, uh, which is why it's important to uh, to do this. It'll allow us to make uh, choices and to have the greatest impact on the world, consistent with our resources. So there are some changing ideas about um, strategic planning. Classically, and since the 80s, it's been lengthy, expensive, exhaustive. You plan for five to 10 years out. Um, you hire a consultant. You take six to nine months to do it. And you have a planning committee of 12 to 15 people. Uh, more recently, the suggestions from the professionals have been to shorten the process. Uh, do it yourself if you have the skills uh, uh, within your leadership, and the, the two primary skills really are calm facilitation and clear writing. Um, there's, there's nothing uh, terribly mysterious about it. And to tackle discrete issues in depth over a shorter time frame, especially if it's not your first strategic plan. Now this church doesn't have a document called strategic plan. It does have a couple of documents called long-range plans, and um, those definitely give us a head start, um, even if they weren't prepared um, exactly the way a strategic plan would be prepared these days. Uh, they're very much uh, in, the, in the form of a strategic plan. So where do you start? 
Well, very briefly, you start with a readiness assessment. Is your organization currently well-functioning? If your organization is disarray, your um, uh, leadership is, is uh, in turmoil somehow, there's a lack of enthusiasm on the part of leadership, you're about to hire someone new or elect a new slate, uh, there's some imminent dramatic change in the external landscape. Um, uh, you're not ready to strategically plan. Uh, if you have not yet captured your mission and vision in writing, you actually need to start there. So we are lucky that uh, some years ago, we, uh, the Unitarian Church of Los Alamos, spent a whole weekend on mission and vision. And I will tell you that the board recently revisited um, the question and staff uh, uh, looked at the mission and vision that was articulated several years ago and asked, is there something about this that doesn't ring true? Um, is there something about this that doesn't uh, state who we are or what we want to accomplish? Um, uh, currently, the answer is these look good. Actually, uh, these have with, withstood um, uh, not only uh, several years of operations, but also a fairly dramatic uh, transition to a new building. Uh, but I'll be asking you that same question, uh, because if, in fact, um, we need to refine this somehow, um, then this is, this is the time to do it. So other early work in strategic planning, gathering facts and data, um, looking at our budget, looking at uh, financial trends, looking at sources of funding, the people we serve, staffing and volunteer commitments, developments inside and outside the congregation. Um, uh, so, for example, Albuquerque uh, just came through some strategic planning. Their senior minister is about to retire after some decades. Um, that's something that they have to uh, account for. Now they have other ministerial staff. Um, so it's just a question of, of gathering, up, uh, gathering up data and facts. Uh, so you put your, the mission, values, whoop, typo, mission, vision, and values uh, firmly in mind. Uh, beware of mission creep. That is to say, sometimes you look at the mission and you think, well, we could be doing this over here too. And someone needs us to do that over there. And that's even something we're capable of. But if it's not one of our strengths, and if it doesn't come from our core values, um, we need to need to be aware of that. So again, does the mission still reflect your work? And does the vision set out what you still hope to accomplish? You find ours in the order of service uh, every week. So I've actually written it here. Uh, our minds, hearts, and doors are open. Enter a community of compassion and inquiry out to shape a just, sustainable world. Uh, looking at some four dozen strategic plans, mission statements, and vision statements from other Unitarian churches across the country over the last uh, uh, month, um, a lot of them have doors, actually, as, a, um, uh, as, a, as an image uh, in their mission and vision statement. So this is what mission is what we think we're we're doing, describing our work, and the vision uh, then is what we uh, hope to accomplish. Celebrating diversity of belief, seeking unity in action. We are inclusive and caring, nourish and challenge the heart and mind. People of all ages find a haven. 
for spiritual and intellectual exploration and artistic expression. We've always had a strong art, uh, component of artists in our congregation. We live our seven principles and bring justice and compassion to our congregation, the community, and the world. We are a beacon of hope. All right. So back to the process of putting a strategic plan into place. You have almost certainly heard of SWAT, right? Strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. Developed at uh, Harvard in the 1980s. Um, you might think, oh, well, isn't that dated at this point? You know, haven't they come up with some new acronym or some new um, way of uh, engaging in discussion? Nope, people pretty much use SWAT still. And it's an excellent way, just as someone who's now done strategic planning over and over again, it's still a good way to engage someone in conversation about the organization that you both care about in a way that will help you with strategic planning. Um, so one of the best ways to, again, in the early process of strategic planning is to conduct interviews of the people closest to the work of the organization and the people outside the organization uh, who are either partners or stakeholders or uh, have some connection with your organization. You ask them each, what is your perception? These interviews don't have to be long. Uh, we now refer to threats as obstacles, typically. That's um, uh, often an easier way for people to talk about it. So some observations about the SWAT interviews. Um, first off, there are circumstances that qualify as both strengths and weaknesses and, uh, or opportunities and threats. Don't get hung up when, when I ask you. What's your, you know, what's your perception of SWAT at this church? Don't get hung up on it. it. Those answers don't go into the plan. That is to say, the plan doesn't include pages that say strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and obstacles. It's a way of putting us all in the right frame of mind and giving us a common language to f go further with the discussion. Number two, they are, oh, and I was going to give you an example of something that was both a strength and a weakness uh, at the Santa Fe uh, Church. In the, uh, Evan and I were active there in the 80s and 90s. And um, uh, Greer Gerson's husband, uh, Buddy, Colonel Buddy E.E. E. Fogelson, uh, had uh, left a lot of uh, money uh, to the uh, church. So they were able to buy the Mormon church that they renovated and that they still meet in, uh, if you're familiar with the uh, church there in Galisteo. Um, and enough money left over after the purchase of that church to have a $250,000 nest egg in a, in a savings account. I have to tell you, on the one hand, it was like, ooh, $250,000. Great. You know, we have, we have this, this, um, uh, this, this pot of money. But there were no planning efforts around doing anything with it, none. They didn't even have the, you know, sort of the early work of the renovations that would later, uh, uh, you know, be a capital campaign to build an RE wing, right? We weren't in the, even in the early stages of that. So being on the stewardship committee for 10 years was a little tough. You'd go and ask people for money. Well, you got that pot of money sitting right there. So uh, on the one hand, 
it was great to know that the money was there if we were ever came up with a plan to use it. On the other hand, it had a dampening effect on people's generosity. So that's what I mean when I say something can be both a, um, a strength and a weakness. Uh, obviously, opportunity and threat with the Albuquerque uh, senior minister uh, retiring. Um, you know, she's been a very uh, charismatic presence there. And so you think, well, that's a threat to the, to the quality of their Sunday morning worship, uh, for example, or the, the strength of their uh, community. Uh, on the other hand, it's an opportunity uh, to, um, uh, to go into search and to um, uh, call uh, another minister who may take you further into the future. So... <coughs> One caution, some people will um, focus on strengths and weaknesses. Those are often the people who are uh, inside, if you will, inside the organization very deeply. Um, and sometimes that focus uh, leads to not spending more time or enough time really on uh, the external landscape, opportunities and obstacles. Uh, let me give you an example from the Peak uh, Nature Center uh, strategic planning. There we were, the you know dozens of us, um, closest to the heart of the organization, doing the work of the organization on a day-to-day -day basis. We're talking about birds and butterflies. Joyce still recognizes <laughs> birds and butterflies and native plants and. Um, you know, animals and tanks and just the day-to-day -day stuff at the, at the nature center. And in not one of the internal interviews did anyone mention the imminent Manhattan Project National Park. Meanwhile, in every single external interview that, that um, the executive director and I did at, you know, the Historical Society, obviously, LANB, Bandelier, uh, the Vias, Caldera, the schools, um, at just everyone outside of us said, Manhattan Project National Park, <laughs> you guys got to be ready for that. It's like, what? We're over here with the butterflies. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, it turns out that's a big thing happening in our community. It's bringing lots of tourists, and it's a real opportunity, even for the Nature Center, which is not the historical center, uh, to welcome the tourists. Not with exhibits. The Nature Center won't have... Um, uh, doesn't have room really for any more exhibits. However, uh, we can certainly have programming that responds to the needs of those tourists. Craig Martin leading you to the same place Robert Oppenheimer used to hike, that kind of programming. Um, so we're in Los Alamos and that's what's happening. Uh, it often helps as part of the SWAT, just one other comment, uh, to do a visualization exercise. Um, and if we, if I can get through a few more slides, uh, we can actually do a brief uh, visualization exercise here. All right, so next step, uh, you've done a bunch of interviews. Uh, someone has compiled the results of those interviews. It's, it's not attributed uh, uh, to anyone by name. It's just people's observations grouped by topic. Um, you distribute the information folks uh, uh, need uh, to think about how to prioritize. You agree on priorities, three or four tops. Uh, this is not a laundry list of, of uh, dozens of uh, ambitions. Small group discussion is often helpful. 
uh, with small group facilitators. You regroup, you synthesize, you ask people to think about what objectives there would be within each of the larger goals, what action steps would get you to those objectives, um, and do not lose momentum towards smithing. That's often a danger among well-educated people, especially. Uh, exact language doesn't matter so long as you're speaking the same lingo, and um, you reassure people that they, there will be opportunities to edit. So, uh, the things you leave uh, to fill in at a later time uh, are action, specific uh, action step timelines and the identity of the champions. So, what are some examples of UU church goals? Again, it goes goals, objectives, action steps, timeline, champion. So these are the very largest. There are only going to be three or four of these for any organization. Uh, from the Albuquerque strategic plan, they had an excellent graphic person <laughs> uh, do the cover. Uh, it's on the web, if you want to check, check for it. Uh, become a beacon of light for social justice. Create systematic approach to volunteer development. Enhance communication technology. Build their RE program. I was a little surprised to see that uh, in a church of um, many hundreds of people, uh, but they've had a lot of uh, turnover uh, in their RE program. Uh, and forge social bonds. These are their largest goals. Um, looking again at dozens of other churches across the country, the number one goal for many, many of them was um, find an adequate, find or build an adequate church building. Done and done. Uh, some of them have uh, real staffing challenges. They don't have a full-time RE director. They don't have even a part-time music director. Um, so obviously your goals are driven by your needs. So after that, you write this the plan. The writing's not fancy. Um, watch your verbs. Uh, that was my... Uh, best advice to people as we were going through the peak strategic plan. Um, there's a difference between um, deciding you're going to do something expensive uh, as part of the strategic plan versus deciding that you're going to explore it, look for resources, um, and uh, if it passes a cost-benefit analysis, then do it. So you just have to watch your verbs. Uh, the plan, again, is not a, la a laundry list of to-dos, um, and often as we go through the discussion, you'll find action steps among the goals or goals and strategies among the action steps. You just have to get the, um, the levels right. Uh, and the best format, really, um, is in uh, kind of a table where it's easy to track um, right, goal, objective, action steps, timeline. And it's very easy to say, well, 2.1.5, for example. Um, it turns out to be helpful. Uh, let's see, so then edit the draft plan. Staff and key volunteers will be able to identify the possible implications of the strategies, um, flesh out the action steps. We have to figure out whether those action steps are within um, a particular staff's uh, job description. If it's not, we need a volunteer champion, and we may need to identify uh, dollars. Um, 
I guess I probably shouldn't have to say that without a champion uh, or identifiable funding, uh, goals are unlikely to be accomplished and uh, uh, we should consider deleting them. I mean, a lot of this, frankly, is winnowing. So, you then publish the plan in two forms. Um, the, the peak thing, it was very easy to find great pictures of uh, people enjoying the outdoors. Uh, we have a treasure trove of photos here uh, that we can show uh, church people engaged in um, inspiring activities. The internal version of the plan, though, looks very different, and I want to show that to you. So the internal version of the plan just looks like this. Six pages like this. It's an Excel spreadsheet, again, as I said, with everything easy to refer to. And then uh, in this column, our executive director at Peak um, added green is it's being done or it's done. Yellow is it's being worked on, but it's not done. Red, no one has started it yet. Um, and so what's important about the internal version? Well, the internal version has columns that the published version doesn't have. In addition to goals, objectives, and action steps, it also has who specifically the champion is, which might be a person, a committee, the board, uh, staff, and then a column on progress. And what's important about that is if someone takes responsibility, such as the board, for assuring that the internal version of the strategic plan is updated on whatever frequency you agree. At peak, they do it quarterly, and then there's an annual full review. Uh, but there are quarterly progress reports, you, then you're keeping one another and yourself accountable. And it's not the sort of thing that will go on the shelf because that happens. It happens with long-range plans. Um, uh, did with our long-range plans early in the day. Um, it won't happen if, in fact, you're um, doing quarterly progress reports and reviewing where you are, red, green, or yellow, each quarter, each six months, whatever frequency you decide. Um, oh, it's called a dashboard. Called a dashboard. Uh, and then enjoy the accomplishment. So here, and, uh, and then my last slide is um, resources. I have a small library of strategic planning books and essays and examples of strategic plans. Um, uh, if, if you would like to, to help with this effort, that would be great. Uh, for now, you can expect me uh, or Jamie Civitello or Mary Herbeck uh, to uh, be calling you and just asking you uh, for um, your time uh, in a brief interview so that we can collect the raw data uh, to get us started on the important discussion of prioritizing. Um, so we do have time. What I wanted to do was lead you through a brief visualization exercise. Where is, okay. And there are cards and pens out there. And I'll ask you to, um, cards? Yes, do, do you need more cards? Oh, uh, they were in the office somewhere.
Okay. So I'll, I'll start this um, uh, uh, by speaking, and she'll, she'll give you the cards. We all have a vision for our congregation in, in our heads, in our hearts. Um, it informs our involvement uh, in the church and um, our continued education in our life together. Um, the vision is not always articulated, but it's like a moving picture in our imagination. So now, if you would, we're just going to take uh, five minutes to do this. Um, allow that moving picture of our congregation to become more explicit in your mind. So just relax, allow the vision to come to you, and as images or thoughts or feelings come to you, jot them down on the paper. And if you want to write sort of the essence of your imaginary experience, but don't necessarily interrupt the flow if you can remember it. These are sort of still frames from a moving picture. So what would be a compelling but practical vision of our congregation, say, five years from now? It's 2022. It's 2022. You're approaching the church. You're approaching the neighborhood in which this church is located. What do you notice about this neighborhood? Now you're approaching the building. What do you notice about the exterior of our grounds? Open the doors to the church. What do you notice first when you open the door? Who do you notice first? What are these people doing? Is there anyone missing from that picture? What's the atmosphere like? How does it feel to be here? As you move around the building, what other activities do you see? Now you come into the sanctuary. What's your sense of the worship? Make a visit to the religious education classrooms the assembly room? How are the children involved in the life of the church? And then from this church, what is your sense of 
how this search makes an impact on the world using this search as its home base. Okay, I'm ready to get a head start on our planning, if some of you will share your visions with me. And I forgot um, a microphone, but I'll repeat it if I, if I hear you. Oh, good. Now we have two. All right. Who's willing to share? Do you want all of them, or? Uh, whatever's most compelling. We've got about 10 minutes. Oh, OK. Um, so some of these things are already happening, though. OK. Uh, so um, having a memorial garden um, that you can see from when you're walking in the church, um, space for groups that um, are doing the work of social justice, which strive toward our seven tenets, uh, teens actively involved in doing service, I'm sorry, teens, can you hear me now? Uh, active service and it, uh, the com within the community as well as uh, special service projects and even service um, here um, on Sunday mornings. Um, building unity and paving the way for civil discourse within our community. Great. Thank you, Elisa. Welcome. Who else would like to share their vision? Now, yes. Um, this is Kay Harper, an old member of the old church. Um, in my reading at St. John's College, I came across two things which probably would not fit today's discussion at all. But because they won't fit, I feel compelled to mention them. Uh, the first one I learned at the lab first and then relearned it at St. John's, a quote by uh, Einstein. Einstein was quoted as saying, he who predicts the future is a fool. The other, uh, not quote, but uh, reference I like to mention is another reading I had at St. John's, <clears throat> uh, a small book entitled Discourse on Method, M-E-T-H-O-D, Discourse on Method, written in the 1600s by a mathematician philosopher named Rene Dubois. And the essence of this little discourse, <clears throat> less than 
50 or 30 pages is very simple. He says that in a method designed to reach a decision or a goal, one must be certain that the methodology preceding the one you'd like to talk about, in other words, a preceding methodology must be as near, nearly perfect as it can be before going on to the next method because if you proceed without assuring yourself that the preceding method is going to work or be as close to perfection or working, then all that follows may be false. And as a mathematician, uh, this was very clear to him, you goof up on the first step in an equation and you never get to the last step. And Thank as you, a Kay. mathematician, it fits very well with uh, organizing as you see it today. Thank you, Kay. Anyone else? Good morning, everybody. Uh, here is from my vision a few slides. There is divine inspiring music at the Unitarian Church regularly. There are study groups. They present their findings to the full body. The children and the teens are in positions of leadership. The building is clean and well-maintained. There are presentations on faith and science balancing the two. There is classical Indian dance on display. Thank you, Neil. Hello? Well-maintained and thoughtfully appointed, both inside and out, peaceful, reflective spaces. Everyone is happy and you can feel excitement in the air. All members and friends have some type of role. We have a sense of organized action by all. All are active, all have active jobs about bringing in UU and has a leadership role and in training for leadership. Not very well said, but you get the idea. Thank you. Chuck. Oh, yes. Uh, I think whatever we plans, or especially actions, should be thought and promoted as sacred to instill the idea among the participants and all those associated that what you do is actually a sacred act. Now, this is very important. It has a, a role in current events. How do you recruit a terrorist? Well, you give him the eye in his mind and heart or whatever, 
the idea that what he is doing, even if it's violent, is for a sacred cause. And I will give you an example now uh, for the Lutheran group and supplying things for the refugees and immigrants. And I regard that as a sacred cause. And I think whatever we do, that should be maybe one of the measures applied. Thank you very much. <coughs> oh, uh, anyone else? Did I? Oh, Mike. Um, I think um, that when visitors, you know, for the future when visitors come in, it's very welcoming, which it usually is. And but then maybe there's more of a presence when somebody walks in of what this church holds dear when they walk in, displays, literature, pictures, whatever, and maybe even also online or something, but mainly when they walk in so they see a little bit more of what we hold dear and they can obviously see right away whether maybe they can fit into this place or they can find it welcoming. Wonderful, thank you. Um, thank you all very much. That was, oh, George. Is this fun? Yeah. Uh, this is, an, uh, I think, an opportunity that I have observed that when visitors are here, they're made welcome as they come in. And then they tend to be ignored. (laughs) Thank you for that, George. We need to clone Mike McNaughton. (laughs) No, I think I think it's up to all of us. Yes. We go to the coffee hour, and quite often visitors are talking to each other, not. Not to members. Not to members. Yeah. Thank you for that. You're right. You're right. Um, all right. Well, thank you all for uh, for that. And um, I meant to say one other thing. The um, important dates in this process, uh, I'll put in the uh, voice uh, that you will have. Um, strategic planning is what requires the kind of deliberative um, progress that isn't a good fit for sort of putting it on top of an already uh, scheduled um, annual congregational meeting, for example. We are going to have to have a few separate uh, events. Um, There will be snacks or food or something involved um, uh, to make it pleasant, uh, but we will need some separate events between now and uh, mid-June, which is when I hope we can actually meet uh, and uh, celebrate its adoption. Um, so just I was going to close by uh, reading from, and I don't have any French accent, Saint-Exupéry, um, the fellow who wrote Little Prince. Love uh, does not consist in gazing at each other, one perfect sunrise gazing at another, but in looking outward together in the same direction. So thank you all very much.
and there's, there's apple cake muffins <laughs> in the fellowship hall. <laughs>